we only had a few boys around here. It's awesome. Um, open in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Today, today we're going to talk about um, baptism and um, before we hear the, the testimonies of those being baptized and um, think, think it's good for us to all be on the same page with, um, with what the Bible teaches and all be in agreement here together um, about, uh, about just baptism and, and what we'll all be participating in uh, together here today. So, so Acts chapter 2, verse 36 is where we're going to start. And uh, there are, a, uh, I suppose, a lot of different um, things that are, are said about uh, baptism. Um, many times baptism is associated with the joining of a church, um, or sometimes it's associated with a rite of passage, sort of reaching a certain age or having accomplished a certain um, you know, religious uh, uh, ceremony or, or something like that, um, memorizing something or whatever, going through a class. Um, sometimes it's just part of, uh, incorporated into part of being born, um, almost more like a, a dedic- dedication, like we would think of as dedicating a child to the Lord, that we're going we're gonna to trust the Lord to help us raise this child. Um, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so, so today I wanted to just look at Scripture and, and just uh, find out um, what it says uh, and get our cue from that and kind of uh, talk about that. And in Acts chapter 2, it, uh, it kind of comes uh, front and center uh, with the preaching of the gospel. And so we're going we're gonna to dial it in there today. So let's, let me just open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who leads us into all truth, and we ask for his help in that today. We also thank you for your son who gave his life for us and in whose name we gather here today to worship you and, and give thanks. And we ask that you would draw us together, Lord, in the unity of the body of Christ in our one common faith in our one common Savior, our one uh, Holy Spirit who leads us together and unifies us, and our one Father who watches over us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, um, verse 36. And actually what we're going to do before we start reading verse 36 is we're going to back it up and read a few verses uh, starting in verse 22. So one of the things that's happening here is, is that uh, the Christ has, has been crucified. He was buried in the, in the tomb. Stone was rolled in front of, of that tomb. It was sealed. It was marked with a seal that basically said, anybody uh, except uh, the, the Roman authority better not touch this thing. And so nobody was going to touch that except for God. God kind of usurped that authority. Um, and God rolled the stone away. The angels rolled the stone away. Jesus Christ, you know, rose from the dead. And, and then he, he, 
he uh, continued to, to minister to people for, for many days, and then he ascended into heaven. Jesus promised that when he ascended into heaven, that he was going to send a helper to those who believed in him, the Holy Spirit. And so at the beginning of the book of Acts, we have the receiving uh, of the Holy Spirit on the part of those who believed in Jesus Christ. And so what begins to happen is things begin to look a whole lot different in the world. Um, With the coming of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden believers are getting bold and they're telling other people about Jesus and to turn to Him. And and there were signs given to them uh, by the Holy Spirit to show that it was God's power that was on them and working in them and through them. And it was causing quite a stir. And for some, it made them very angry. And for others, it made them uh, intrigued or even more, even more uh, they wanted to know this God who was showing such great power and in whom was uh, transforming lives and bringing these people who were otherwise divided by their various cultural differences, uh, they were becoming unified around Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as this curiosity was, was growing and people were kind of uh, looking at the believers and what was going on and asking questions, uh, that's kind of where we come into this now. And so um, Peter is, is preaching to the, the people who have gathered. And so that's where we're jumping in, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. So Peter um, addresses here the crowd um, as, as a, a collective body. So he, we're going to see that as, as this is presented, as Peter speaks, that there's going to be a corporate nature and a personal nature to what he speaks to them, both in, in uh, terms of their guilt before God and in terms of uh, salvation as well. So... Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So there's some really important stuff here that 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 he says. Uh, one is that you yourselves saw that, that Jesus was God's Son sent from heaven to be Messiah. You saw that because you saw the works that God did through Him. It was not hidden from you. You bore witness to that. So you, you, can't, you, know, you can try to make excuses for what you saw, but you saw what you saw, and you know that it was the power of God on Him. You saw it with your own eyes. Um, then he says that it was Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So before he says you're guilty of, of crucifying him, he says this is the plan of God. It was God's plan from the beginning that he sent his son to become a sacrifice for sinners. So it was not man's plan uh, to crucify him. It was God's plan to bring salvation. Now, it included, as we see him here next say, you crucified and killed by, uh, that you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So, what God did is use the evil intent of humanity 
in bringing about the sacrifice of his own son for salvation. There, were, um, there was nobody righteous who could stand before God apart from Christ. All stood guilty before God as sinners. So all needed a Savior. And the only ones that Jesus could interact with are sinners. Those He came to save, and it was those who betrayed Him, who turned on Him, and crucified Him. But all according to the plan of God. Then He goes on, He says, God raised Him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for Him to be held by it. Not possible for the living Savior, Jesus Christ, for the, for the One who created all things, the One who was and is and is to come, it is not possible that death would hold Him. Now let's skip forward there to verse 36. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So, Notice here that, that Peter's addressing the crowd as one corporate people. You, um, the house of Israel, you know that He's made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So there was a, a collective hearing of this and a receiving of what Peter was saying and a collective response to it. Together, they were cut to the heart. They were grieved by what was being said to them. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Now watch, there's a, um, there's, there's a personal nature that Peter brings into it right here. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The word of God is, is cutting the hearts of people to the core here as they recognize their guilt and their sin before God. As they recognize that, that they themselves have participated in the crucifixion of God's own Son whom He sent to be the Savior. There are three things here that, um, that I want to point out that are spoken against the people that Peter's speaking to. Uh, if, we, if we remember in John's Gospel, the opening of his Gospel, it says that Jesus came to His own and His own did not receive Him. So Jesus was born a Jew, and so He first came to the Jews to bring a message of repentance and turning to God. That He Himself was their Savior. And then it was to the rest of humanity, the Gentiles, that that message was taken. There are three things here that are spoken against the people. One is 
they did not receive God's Son, the Messiah. So he came, and they did not receive him. He, he taught them, he preached to them, he, he did works, uh, mighty works among them, and they did not receive him. Second thing is that they were complicit in crucifying Jesus because whether or not, now this doesn't necessarily mean that their hand was on the, you know, the hammer or whatever, but they were complicit in the, in the killing of God's Son because of the hardness of their heart. They participated with those who crucified Him. Whether or not they were even in the crowd that said crucify Him, the hardness of their heart, they were participants with the, those who crucified Jesus Christ. The third thing is that they were part of the crooked generation there. As you see um, the, the exhortation given to them in verse 40, as they are told to repent and be baptized. And he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. The crooked generation uh, that they need saved from is the crooked generation that they are a part of. The crooked here means, uh, it's actually the... Uh, you might find it interesting that the, the word is uh, scolios. Sound familiar? Uh, scoliosis, uh, curvature of the spine. Um, this is a, a more than just a curvature. It's more than just a, a bending of morality. It is a corruption of morality before God, a, a perverse and sinful heart before God. A heart out of alignment with God himself. When they heard uh, all that Peter had spoken to them here, their response was one of a brokenheartedness over their sin, over their rebellion. They were guilty. They were ashamed. They were fearful of God's judgment. And that is a, a normal reaction for someone who is confronted with their sin before a holy and righteous God. We see it throughout Scripture that when people um, get a glimpse of the reality of the holiness and righteousness of God, their initial response is fear of judgment. Uh, It it is a a brokenheartedness, a contrition over their sin. Um, Even Isaiah, back in Isaiah chapter 6, this guy would be declared righteous among the people And yet, when he's confronted with the holiness of God, he says, I'm just a sinner living among other sinners who deserves the wrath of God. That's his response. The righteous of the righteous uh, responds to God's holiness in such a way. And so it is with us when we're confronted with the reality of our sin before God. It breaks something in us. It, it, It creates such a heaviness in us Because we know that coming is the wrath of God against that. For those who have rebelled against God, who have rejected Christ, who have morally failed, which represents the entirety of humanity, it's good for us to know there's good news. That there is a way to receive God's forgiveness. 
Look at what Peter says. So the people respond, okay, we've heard what you said, that we are guilty. That we're guilty of of rejecting God's Son. We're guilty of crucifying Him. That we are sinners. And they say, what do we do about this? What shall we do now? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. First thing he says is, repent. Repent means to, to change your mind, change direction, but I, I fear that that sort of English understanding of it, that, we, that you, the English words there of changing your mind, uh, is not severe enough for what repent really means because we change our minds um, about things all the time. This, this is a change of mind that goes much deeper than changing your mind of where you're going to eat after church or uh, which store you're going to get this, other, this thing from or uh, whatever. It's, it's a change of mind, a change of heart uh, that permeates who you are really. It's a change brought about from that guilt and that shame, that fear of judgment, that includes an element of a hatred towards what you've done. What what you've done, what you've said, who you were, or who you are. It's, It's wanting to turn away from that. It's having a level of disgust over what you've said, what you've done, or who you've been. And wanting to leave that behind and go a different direction altogether. It's, 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 it's like there's a, a, a turning point in a person's life. This repentance is, is that. A turning point where you leave one thing behind and go a different direction now with the way you live, the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act. It's a turning away from that old person. And in, and in this case, repentance, as it relates to the gospel message, means that we turn away from that, that old person that it has been apart from Christ up to this point, that we turn away from the selfish nature of that person, from, from whatever uh, sin has been a part of that way of existing, and the sinful desires and, and everything that went along with it, and that we turn now to submit to the authority of God in our life out of faith and love and thankfulness for what he's done for us. That's repentance. Repentance can't be separated out from salvation. It is part of it. It is a crucial part of it. Not that we earn it because we use the right words and come before God and say, I'm so sorry for all this that I've done. But that it's that brokenheartedness that it that shows that we need this, a Savior. That is part of receiving Jesus as our Lord and our Savior is being brokenhearted over who we've been and what we've done up to this point in our life. Up to the point of receiving Christ and His forgiveness. For if you don't really believe you need forgiven for anything, then why do you need a Savior? Well, the, the reality and the truth is we are guilty and we do need a Savior. But if we come into this thinking that we're really not all that bad, and on the balance, we're much better than most people. Like we're, you know, I, I joke with my kids that I say, oh, I tell everybody that you're better than average. Of course, 
I don't really say that. I love my kids. I think they're awesome, but I just kid them that way. But like we come into this thing with salvation and we think, well, we're better than average, right? We got to be sort of at least maybe top 20% of the class here. So we should be good. But that's not the way sin is going to be dealt with before God. The scriptures inform us that if you've broken one of God's commands, you might as well be guilty of breaking them all because you're going to receive his eternal judgment against that. God's wrath will be poured out whether you've committed one or a hundred or a million. God's wrath is going to be eternally poured out against that. So we all need a Savior. That's the truth. But if we arrogantly think that somehow our good stuff is going to get us into the kingdom of God, then we haven't really reached a place yet where we've recognized that we need a Savior and we aren't really at a place where we're ready to receive Him as our Savior. That repentance is so important for us as we come before God to recognize how deeply, uh, how, how in, in such a deeply uh, horrific situation we exist before God. That we need rescued from that. Let's look at the second part of what Peter says. He says, repent and be baptized. Now, uh, we can make a mistake here in separating out some of these things because um, sort of in our our, uh, Western way of thinking, we love to categorize things and put things in boxes and separate things out and define things. Um, But when Peter says, repent and be baptized, it's really all part of the same package. So we're going to address it as including a a couple different dynamics, but this is all one thing. So it would be like if I said love and care for your wife, be like, okay, well, I'm going to care for her and then I'm going to love her. Woo. You recognize it's all part of the same thing. To love and to care is all part of the same package. They can't be separated out just as repentance and true baptism, as as it is in Scripture, can't be separated out from one another. So to be baptized here, let's look at what that means in this context of Scripture because Peter is not just referring to getting wet, being dunked underwater, which baptism here actually means, it carries with it the idea of immersion, that is being uh, washed, like you know, you don't you don't put a little sprinkle on you and say I'm clean, but it's the idea of being cleansed. God has brought a cleansing and baptism. This submersion in the water is a symbol of that. It gives us a real picture of what God does at the soul level. So what Peter is is, is not just saying here is is uh, repent of your sins and get wet and then you're good. But there's there's a several things rolled up into what he says when he when he says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is a really important part of what he says. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, one of, um, well, we'll get to it in just a, a second here. But, um, so what does it mean? So the first thing is, uh, it means to become a, a disciple of Jesus. <clears throat> a follower, a learner of his. In other words, you want to become like him to be baptized into the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus is to now say I want to be like him it is a a dedication of your life toward the goal of becoming like your savior like your lord in in the um in those days there were um disciples uh the 
this wasn't a, a rare thing, the idea of having teacher and disciples. It was a, it was a normal thing in their culture. Um, rabbis would have disciples that would follow them along. The goal, then, of those who were learning from the rabbi wasn't just to scoop up all their good teaching along the way. It was actually to become like them. The nuances of their existence, they wanted to be like that. You drink your tea hot, I drink my tea hot. You drink your tea with one ice cube in it, I drink my tea with one ice cube in it. It was to be, uh, there was a saying about being covered in the dust of your rabbi. To, to walk in his steps, to become like him. And so in this context, we have becoming like Jesus. That we make it our goal to love like him, to talk like him, to think like him, to act like him. Second thing is, it's a declaration of loyalty and faith in God's Son. And I would add to that, and a dying to oneself. Um, we talked about that with repentance, that putting away of the old person. Dying to yourself, and now committing yourself to Christ. To a loyalty to Him. And there's interesting, Jesus uh, talked about this kind of loyalty and love that He Um, that he sought from those who would believe in him. Look at Luke chapter 26, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. Some tough words to swallow. Of course, Jesus had a lot of tough words for people to swallow. He said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoa. Now, we are faced with a situation here. Because I can take you to scriptures that tell you you're supposed to love your mother and your father. You're supposed to love your wife. You're supposed to love your children and your brothers and your sisters. So is Jesus contradicting his own word? Well, that doesn't make any sense at all because we know our Lord uh, and we know that there's something he's saying here and, it, and so we need to understand it. Hate in this context is a, uh, a love to love less than. So when you're faced with the decision of if it, is, if it is between Jesus and my family member, Jesus and my friend, Jesus and whomever, Jesus always wins. My devotion to Christ is above all. Now here's the interesting thing because in being in, in Christ being my greatest devotion, my greatest loyalty, my greatest trust, my greatest love, He enables me then to love better all these other people in my life. But He is not going to play second fiddle to anyone in our life. He calls for us to be completely loyal and faithful to him, to trust him above all others, to love him above all others. Third thing is this we identify um, ourselves as belonging to God's family. Uh, we won't turn there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Peter, or Paul talks about, man, I'm, I'm glad I, I didn't baptize any of you guys because you're running around saying, well, I was baptized in the name of such and such, and I was baptized in the name of so and so. And like it's some great 
distinction you have. He said, I, I'm, I'm here just to teach the gospel and baptize. You know, he said, I haven't been called to baptize in my name. I'm just here to preach the gospel, lead you to Jesus. Paul was concerned about people being baptized in any other name than Jesus. That we, when we're baptized, we're baptized as followers of Jesus, not followers of other teachers, not followers of a church, uh, not followers of some religious system. Um, it is not a rite of passage. It is a, a distinction of those who have declared that they want to follow Jesus and that they belong to the family of God. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, uh, we have, there's a passage there that says that, that we've been given a spirit that now calls out to God, Abba, Father. Because we belong to him as his children by faith in Christ. The fourth thing is this. <clears throat> Receiving um, that we... Uh, in being baptized here, you, if you see what, uh, what Peter says, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness of sins comes by faith in Christ, and the receiving of the Holy Spirit comes through faith in Christ as well. Now, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as being our counselor, our helper, God's constant presence with us in the person of the Holy Spirit to help us become like him. Our goal as a disciple of Jesus is be like Jesus. In every way that we can be like Jesus, we want to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit then is our helper and our counselor to lead us along in that to help us work towards that. Now there's a, there's a passage here right on the heels of this. So, so they, they're convicted of their sin before God. They say to Peter, what do we do about it? He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is for anybody who would, who would turn to faith in Christ in, in, uh, uh, in such a way. And then he, he uh, verse 42 then, it says, look what happened afterwards. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the question then is, so once, once I have received Christ by faith, repented of my sins and received Christ by faith, and been baptized in his name, then what? Well, we get a very good understanding of the then what. Then how do I live? Because there's something after that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 lay out that God has saved us by His grace. But then in verse 10, He says, but He saved us to something. We're not just saved from something. We're saved to something. He has good works for us to do that He's prepared for us. Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 through 47, then we see, um, we see believers devoted to growing. Growing in Christ, growing in their knowledge and understanding 
of God, growing in their faith, growing in their fellowship with God. That they are, they are devoted to growing closer to God and knowing more about what he's done for them through Christ. Secondly, that there is a, we see a unity with God's family. Baptism declares that you are now a part of God's family. You belong to him. You've been adopted into his family. And we see then, then how do they live? They live as members of that family. The family of God. And the third thing is that we see them, if you, you know, reading towards the end there, it says uh, that they were sharing things, um, sharing meals together. We see them um, practicing the same generosity and love towards others that they've learned from their Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see a life change happen. That's a real sign of repentance and faith in Christ. Now I have a question for you as we kind of wrap this up. Uh, how do you know? How do you know if you're ready to be baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ? Uh, these are questions that that I discussed with those who are being baptized today, and um, wanted to propose these questions to you. How do you know if you're ready to be baptized as a follower of Christ? Well, the first one is, are you ready to receive receive Jesus for forgiveness of sins? Do you recognize that before God you are a sinner and that you deserve his wrath and that you need rescued from the path of his judgment? And do you recognize that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be your rescuer? Then receive him by faith. <clears throat> Second question Are you ready to let him be Lord? Baptism isn't just saying, I'm saved now. It's also saying, And he's the Lord of my life. He has full reign over me. He's my boss now. I take my cue from him in all matters. Are you ready to let him be Lord of your life? Are, are you done trying to be Lord yourself? Third thing, are you ready to obey Him all your life? Now, perfect obedience is certainly our goal, um, but we recognize this is a process for us. <clears throat> the person we are is, were is not the person we are, but we're learning to become that person that we now are. We're learning to walk now in new ways that Jesus is teaching us through the power of His Word and the power of His Spirit and the fellowship of believers. He is teaching us His ways, but we're in process of learning it and ingraining it in our hearts and minds. But are, are you ready to commit your life towards walking that out? The fourth thing, do you want to belong to His family? Because God promises to receive you as His son and daughter, son or daughter, when you believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. Fifth thing, do you want eternal life? Now I know that sounds like a silly question because we would probably all go, well, duh, yeah. Well, there's only one way to receive it. That's why I ask this question because while I would suspect that everyone, everyone's answer is yes, well, the, the then what part of that 
is you may only receive it through Jesus Christ. There is one way to salvation, and his name is Jesus. So if you want eternal life, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And the, and the last thing is this. Do you want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? As one of the promises that goes with uh, receiving Christ, being baptized into the, to the family of God as uh, committed to following him, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower you and equip you and teach you and counsel you, to convict you of sin when you're, when you're messing up, uh, to point things out in your life that are contrary to his ways, and then to help you get on a course that is not contrary to his ways. Well, if your answers to these questions are yes, um, these are questions, again, that I've discussed with those being baptized, and uh, their answers were yes, I can assure you, um, then I see no reason why you shouldn't be baptized. If you'd like to talk about it more, let me know. Um, but for now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite those who are being baptized, I'd like to invite them to come up. And if you want to bring a friend or family member with you, uh, you're welcome to do that. You, just, you don't have to come up on stage. You can stay down below here. I'll come down meet you there. So what I'd like to do, uh, if you guys would, is to kind of spin around here, maybe back here, just so they can see your lovely faces. Um, I'll slip in here real quick. Uh, so um, we have uh, Jim and Kim and Byron and Becca who are uh, being baptized today. And what I've asked, because we're doing it down at the lake where the sound does, is just going to be a little bit more challenging to hear, um, I, I wanted them to be able to share with you today why they want to be baptized and, uh, and they're, they've been preparing to do that. Um, I, and I have some questions for them regarding their faith in Christ and commitment to Christ. And then I have a question for you as the church body in relationship to your commitment to them. And so um, I'd like, I've asked Jim to, to go first here. And uh, um, uh, Jim, uh, we, several of us have been praying for Jim for a while. Um, we, we love Jim, and uh, he's just been such a good friend. He has such a generous heart, and we've just been praying uh, for him to, to receive Christ and to walk in his ways. And so I wanted to... Uh, turn it over here to Jim and just uh, let Jim share with you in his own words uh, why he would like to be baptized as a follower of Christ. If you wouldn't mind using the mic, guys. I want to be baptized because I'm a sinner and have sinful temptations. I'm an alcoholic. I quit years ago. I've hurt my family, friends, loved ones, and have a lot of guilt of that. And I would love to have forgiveness through God and people I hurt. And 
I want to be saved, be a better man. And I'm, I'm hope I can be saved. I want to, I want to be with Jesus and be part of your family, God's family. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So uh, I have some questions for you, Jim. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? and that only He can forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life. Yes, amen. Do you, by God's grace, commit your life to Christ, to trust Him, to walk with Him, to be His ambassador in this world for the rest of your days? Absolutely. Do you, by God's grace, commit yourself to the fellowship of God's people, the church, to encourage and serve them as your family in Christ? Yes, Church, I have a question for you. Do you, by God's grace, commit yourselves to help Jim follow in his new Lord and Savior's ways, to pray for him, to encourage him, and to support him as you have opportunity? Thanks, Thank you. Uh, Kim, I'd like to ask you to So Kim, uh, I came to know Kim through a common friend, Sherry Moncrief, and, and uh, Kim has been on a journey. God's had her on a journey, and, um, and so I'd like to ask, I'd like to ask Kim to, to just share with you uh, what's brought her to this point of, of wanting to be baptized as a follower of Christ. Thank you. I'm ready to be baptized and be forgiven for my sins. God has always been with me through a pretty traumatic life, and he brought me here so I could be saved and meet and live with all of you to help me be forgiven for my sins and have eternal life, and thank you. Thank you, Kim. I have some questions for you. Kim, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that only He can forgive your sins and give you eternal life? Yes, I do. Do you, by God's grace, commit your life to Christ to trust Him, walk with Him, and be His ambassador in this world for the rest of your days? Yes, I do. And do you, by God's grace, commit yourself to the fellowship of God's people, the church? To encourage and serve them as your family in Christ? Yes, I do. He brought me here for this reason. Church, I have a question for you. Do you, by God's grace, commit yourselves to help Kim follow her Lord and Savior? To pray for her, to encourage her, to support her as you have opportunity? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um... I'm going to ask uh, Becca to come up in a second, and then Byron. But I wanted to I wanted to read a passage for you out of Deuteronomy chapter six. 
God's instruction to his people. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God's instruction to his people was, one, that they were to remember his faithfulness and recount his goodness, and two, that they were to to make it such a part of their daily existence, this remembrance of God's faithfulness, that their children would pick it up as well. That they would discuss these things with their kids and that they would incorporate into their life just such a lifestyle that it wasn't uh, an extra thing they did like, you know, oh, I need to teach them how to hunt or I need to teach them how to whatever, tie their shoes. But that teaching them to follow God was built into everything that they did. Well, um, it's so encouraging to just have um, a a couple of uh, groups of parents here that have just been working to live that out, to teach their kids the ways of God in Jesus Christ. And uh, now we get to just celebrate as they give their own lives, make their own dedication and commitment to following Christ. And so uh, first I want to just thank you, parents, um, for your faithfulness. Um, and encourage you to, to keep it up. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.58 uh, uh, reminds us that, that any, any, any of our hard work that we're doing in Christ, um, that there's fruit to bear. It's not, it's not for nothing. So keep persevering in that. Uh, Becca, would you, would you come up first here? So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to speak just real quick here. Because not that you need an introduction for sure, but um, I think most of the folks here know you pretty well because a lot of them have had a hand in you uh, coming to know who God is. Um, They've been there teaching you along the way through Sunday school and other interactions that you've had with them. And uh, so it's it's pretty cool that um, not only have many of these people invested in you just growing up, but they've also invested in you coming to a point of giving your life to Christ. And so, uh, Becca, I'd like to, you to, just in your own words, to share with them why you now want to be baptized. Um, so, like Todd said, most of you know me. I've come here since I was born. And I accepted Christ when I was like three or four. And I believe that Jesus was the only way to heaven and that he died for my sins. But a few years back, I realized that when I came head-to-head with something, I wasn't going to God for help. I was trying to muscle through it by myself. And then I hit stuff that I couldn't just plow through by myself, and I realized that I needed to be going to God, and that I hadn't been. And he pointed out to me that that was what I needed to change, and so he gave me the strength and power to do that. So today I'm here to be baptized in front of all of you as a commitment to the Lord. Rebecca, I have some questions for you. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, 
and that only He can forgive your sins and give you eternal life? I do. And do you, by God's grace, commit your life to Christ to trust Him, walk with Him, and be His ambassador in this world for the rest of your days? And do you, by God's grace, commit yourself to the fellowship of God's people, the church, to encourage and serve them as your family in Christ? Yes. Church, I have a question for you. Do you, by God's grace, commit yourselves to help Becca follow her Lord and Savior, to pray for her, encourage her, support her, all as you have opportunity? Amen. Well, Byron, so um, can I introduce you real quick? Yeah. Okay, so you probably know Byron's grandparents the best, um, uh, David and Janelle, and, uh, and his uh, parents are here today too, and um, we're just excited to, um, to be able to take part in this, Byron, because um, you've been... Uh, several times coming to VBS, and so we've had a connection with you through that and through visiting on whenever you guys come down this way, and um, so it's been so cool to just see you, and you've like grown up incredibly, but the most impressive thing of it all is just your love for the Lord and just how you've had a sensitive heart towards Him, and um, we're just so excited to be able to be here today and, and to be a part of this experience with you and for your family to be a part of it. Would you share with with everyone why you would like to be baptized today? I you baptized so I can be washed and not have sin well so that God can forgive me and I can have eternal life in heaven with him. And I love Jesus, and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. And I believe he was, he's the son of God, and that he got crucified on the cross for our sins. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Byron. So I have some questions for you, Byron, today. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that only he can forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life? Yes. Do you, by God's grace, commit your life to Christ to trust him, to walk with him, and to be his ambassador in this world for the rest of your days? Yes. And do you, by God's grace, commit yourself to the fellowship of God's people, the church, to encourage and serve them as your family in Christ? Yes. Church, I have a question for you. Do you, by God's grace, commit yourselves to help Byron follow his Lord and Savior, to pray for him, to encourage him, and to support him as you have opportunity? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Byron. Well, um, let me... I want to pray for these guys, and, uh, and then I'll let them take their seat here. I want to thank you, church, because uh, um, we wouldn't really, I, I don't think any of these folks would be standing up here 
sharing with you that they wanted to be baptized if it weren't for you guys who have been praying for them, who have been speaking words of life and truth uh, into them and being there for them, uh, being an example of a follower of Christ to them. And uh, so, you know, we we are in this uh, really as the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, we celebrate uh, with all of heaven um, when, when, when sinners come to repentance and faith in Christ and begin to learn what it means to be like him. And so, uh, so we celebrate this together. We're so excited for all of you guys. Thank you for the courage that it takes to get up here and share. And um, let me pray for them. Father, as we come here, Lord, the family of God, we want to give you thanks for sending your Son to die in our place on the cross, that we would have forgiveness of sins, that you would wipe the guilt away, and that you would adopt us into your family. Our family just gets bigger when we uh, come to faith in Jesus. And Lord, we have such a, a good family and a good Father who shepherds us. We, we ask that, Lord, for each one of these, Lord, uh, that have come today to, to dedicate their lives to you. We, we ask that you would strengthen them for what lies ahead, that you would prepare them and equip them, that you would empower them by your Spirit, that you would give them your wisdom, that you would be their counselor to help them along in life. Uh, for we know that, uh, that, that there are many things that lie ahead that are going to be hard, that they're going to have to walk through, uh, where there are going to be challenges that they're going to face. Lord, we just ask that, um, Lord, this promise, this dedication, this commitment that they make today to you, that you would help them to persevere in that, that you would fill them with your spirit, that they would be your ambassadors, uh, Lord, that they would represent you well um, with whatever days you give them here, uh, and that they would lead others uh, to you. And we pray this, uh, that their lives would bear fruit for the kingdom of God and to your glory. And, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. And thank you guys. You can have a seat.